Good morning. So I have one other announcement. This is holiday season, and uh, you know we're giving gifts to the missionaries. We did the Operation Christmas Child boxes, and if there's anyone in the congregation or if you know someone close that is maybe struggling at this time financially uh, with the, the food or gifts for Christmas and they need some assistance, we have some funds available for that. So uh, especially for those in the body, uh, but, but if you know someone closely, uh, just come and see me and we can, we can help you with that, okay? All right. No matter how old you get, and I'm getting older by the minute, uh, certain experiences sort of remain etched in your mind, right? Uh, the birth of your children, your wedding, stuff like that. But for me, one that remains etched in my mind happened on a Friday night over 35 years ago. My heart was racing, uh, nervous energy. I was a, a defensive back for the Arlington High Lions football team. And it was my first varsity game. And I'd been given a mission. I'd prepared for this mission, practiced again and again, lifted weights. You might find that hard to believe. Studying plays, watching films of the other team. Our team played defense, uh, it's called man-on-man coverage for the defensive backs. So my mission involved basically three things. First... Stop my man from catching the football. Second, if I failed to stop my man from catching the football, tackle him as soon as possible. And third, if my man isn't involved, run to the other guy with the ball and tackle him. Help tackle him. So even though I was extremely nervous uh, and kept thinking, what have I gotten myself into uh, under these Friday night lights? When the other team ran their first play, I was prepared to fulfill my mission. And when, one, and when on that first play, the first play, they threw the ball to my man and he caught it, I tackled him. And when a few plays later, they threw the ball to my man again, I knocked the ball down. And even though I didn't succeed uh, every time, uh, we actually lost 36-6 to that game, I was there on every play doing my best to fulfill my mission. So what does my first varsity football game have to do with the history of redemption? Well, today, in many ways, we come to, uh, in Scripture, our first varsity game. We've been preparing 45 weeks, if you've been with us. We're in a series, The History of Redemption, going through the Bible, 52 weeks. This is week 45. 39 weeks of our preparation was in the Old Testament. Seeing how God, beginning with Abraham, chose a people. How that people, uh, the Jewish people, Israel, was to be set apart. A holy nation unto the Lord. How God gave them the law and the sacrificial system. How they were to represent and declare His glory to the nations. Uh, They were to be a blessing to all peoples. But we also saw how they instead, over and over, failed their mission. How they over and over gave in to idolatry and immorality. But we also saw that even in their failure, God promised that through this people would come a Messiah, a Deliverer, 
One who would save, who would redeem all peoples, people from every people group. For 39 weeks, we saw how the Old Testament Scriptures prepared us and pointed to Jesus Christ. And then, for the last six weeks, we've been prepared by looking at Jesus Himself. We've seen His teachings, part of the Sermon on the Mount. We've seen Him as our King. We've seen Him as the bread of life. We've seen Him as the light of the world. We've seen His passion for God's glory. We've seen His passion for the good of people. And last week, uh, last week as Anthon preached, as he, as he said, uh, we reached the climax of redemptive history. As Jesus was crucified, was buried, and He rose from the dead. As Jesus fulfilled the law, and the sacrificial systems of the Old Testament. As Jesus opened the door to the promise that God gave to Abraham, lo, those 4,000 years, for us 6,000 years ago, that through Him, through Christ, all families, all peoples of the earth could be blessed. Preparation. All of that, all 45 weeks of our study, has prepared those of us who trust in Christ who've accepted Christ, to engage in our mission from Christ. That same Savior that the Old Testament pointed to. That same Redeemer that we've seen in the New Testament. He gives us a mission. In a sense, what we'll see in our passage for today, in the beginning of the book of Acts, is Jesus handing the ball to His disciples. Calling them to put aside their fears, and to get into the game, accept their mission, and run with the ball. And as, and as we'll see, the same mission that Jesus gave His disciples over 2,000 years ago is still irrelevant for His disciples today, for you and for me. We've been prepared, and now it's time for our first varsity game to engage in our mission, to break through our nervousness and our fear get on the field and play. But before we do that, before we get to our mission, before we look at the mission that Jesus gives us, we need to look at what our mission is not. What our mission is not. This is so important for us to understand. Because there's so many missions out there. Because there are so many things, even good things, that are not what God calls us to. Other missions that, that can and will distract us from the mission He's given us. Now in Acts chapter 1, we see this happening to the disciples. If you have a Bible and want to turn there, that's where we'll be mainly in Acts chapter 1. Uh, His disciples are on the verge of of being distracted. They've been prepared. They've been with Jesus. Lo, these three years, they've seen Him uh, crucified and and risen from the dead. They've heard Him uh, talk about this mission. And Jesus has told them before they started their mission, before they get on the field themselves, they need to wait in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then in verse 6, we read this. So when they had had come together, they asked Him, they asked Jesus, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They wanted Jesus to set up a kingdom, an earthly kingdom there. That he would make a new Israel. He would get rid of the Romans. The Romans were ruling in Palestine and Israel at that time. And and they wanted Jesus, they wanted to be part of Jesus, destroying, wiping out the Romans and setting up his kingdom 
there. They were being distracted by the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. So Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed in His own authority. The restoration of Israel, that's in the Father's hands. God will do that. That's not your mission. Now, it wasn't a bad mission. Israel could benefit from some restoration. It was, however, a limited mission. But for Jesus' Jewish disciples, it was the mission that they'd been dreaming of their whole lives. It was the mission that their culture taught them to seek after. It was, it was the mission that their religion taught them to pursue. That one day the Messiah would come, and, and Jesus certainly, they knew Jesus now was the Messiah. One day the Messiah would come and restore the kingdom of Israel. And to, and to think that they would be part of that would have been very exciting and distracting. But it wasn't what Jesus had for them. He was going to give them a, a much bigger and, dare I say, better mission. I don't know about you, but I can relate to the disciples here. I, I, can, I can see they, why were the, they were so excited by this limited, well-defined mission. I can remember being excited about what I thought my mission was. What I thought my religion had taught our mission is. At one time, I was pretty sure my mission from God was to be a good Christian. To be a good Christian citizen. To get a good paying job. I actually wanted to be an architect. To get married to a good Christian girl. Have a good house in a good neighborhood. Have some good Christian friends. Have a, a couple of good Christian kids. Be good and go to church almost every Sunday. Read my Bible and, and pray almost every day. And, and when the time was good, try to tell people uh, about Jesus. Not a bad mission. A good mission, maybe. In fact, this is often the mission that, that our Christian culture teaches us to pursue. Live the American dream with a Christian twist to it, right? But God is giving us something greater, something bigger, something better for His people. And we can allow the good to distract us from God's best. God's mission for our lives. So, so to help us from being distracted, we need to know. We need to be clear on what our mission is. I don't want anyone to leave this place not knowing what God is calling them to be a part of. What, what God is calling His church to do and as part of His church, you're part of that. I don't want anyone seeking some other mission. I don't want anyone to settle for a lesser mission. The disciples were being distracted by the restoration of Israel. But Jesus says to them, I have a different mission in mind for you. A bigger one. Acts 1.8, Jesus gives their mission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There it is. There's the mission. We're going to examine uh, uh, different aspects of this mission this morning, but let me ask you this. What's at the heart of the mission? What, what are we supposed to do? What is Jesus calling his disciples to do in just three words? Be his witnesses. Be my, he says, witnesses. Let's look at those three powerful words. First, be. Notice Jesus doesn't say, you will witness in Jerusalem. He says, be. Be my witnesses. Be 
involves who you are. In the, in the, the word in Greek is the, the future tense, okay, let's get a little technical here, of the Greek phrase ego eme, translated in English, I am. As Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, the seven I am's, remember, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the door, I am the way, the truth, the life, I'm the resurrection and the life. As Jesus said, I am who he was, to his disciples he says, you be my witnesses. So the mission is not just a task to accomplish. Get this. It's not just a checklist to accomplish. Okay, I was a witness today. Check. It has to, it's part of who you are. Be my witnesses. Oftentimes we identify ourselves with our job, right? We ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a a baseball player, a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, an architect, a businessman. But for, for the Christian, we must identify ourselves with our mission. Jesus says, be my witness. Who are you? I'm a witness for Jesus Christ. Witnessing should not be something you do when the opportunity presents itself. Witnessing should be something you pursue. Something to make time for. Something that's an inner integral part of who you are. Be my witnesses. Second, my. This may seem obvious, but we need to be clear. We are Christ's witnesses. Be my, Jesus says, witnesses. We belong to him. If we're Christians, then uh, Scripture says we were bought with a price. On the cross of Calvary, he paid for us with his blood. And our mission is to be witnesses for the one who paid for us, who we belong to, who bought us, to witness for and about Jesus, to glorify and honor his name, to proclaim his name, to proclaim his deeds, to tell his story, who he was, who he is, what He's done, what He's doing. And that brings us to our final word, uh, witnesses. Be my witnesses. This is a Greek word, martyria, where we get our English word, martyr. You've heard that word, maybe. The word actually means to testify to the truth of something. It means pretty much the same thing as our English word, witnesses, means. That's why they translated it that. To bear witness to the truth. To give evidence to the truth of something. To confirm the truth of a certain set of facts. This is true. It has its roots, this word, in the Greek uh, legal system. And, And early in church history, this word became associated, witnesses, martia, became associated with those who were killed. They were killed because they were witnessing to the truth of Jesus Christ. Be my witnesses. That's the heart of our mission. Now, I want to make something clear about being a witness, about giving evidence of the truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. Scripture teaches that this evidence that we're uh, witnessing to, that we're presenting, comes in two forms, and both are necessary. The first form of evidence is less emphasized, but very important. It has to do with how we live, with our works, with who we are and what we do. Jesus said in in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before others. Stop here for a second. Uh, 
Jesus gave seven I am's, right? You remember, we've talked about those in the Gospel of John, but only one of them he then applied to us. Which one? He says, he says, he is the light of the world, but he says, you are the light of the world also. We're to shine. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our good works are to shine forth and point people to God, point people to Jesus Christ, how we love and care for one another. They will know we are Christians by our love, how we love our neighbor as ourselves, how we care for those in need. When we do these things in the name of Christ, then our light shines forth. We provide a a powerful witness to the truth of the gospel, how the gospel has worked in our lives. Oh, they care about other people. They love other people. They're willing to sacrifice for others. So the first form of witnessing is in our works, what we do. And the second is in our words. Jesus gave our mission in the Gospel of Mark. He said, uh, go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. We have a, a message to bring. And that message is the Gospel. We can't just do works and say nothing. The good news of Jesus Christ needs to be proclaimed. That Jesus Christ was and is God come in human flesh. That He lived among us. That He became one of us yet without sin, so that He could die in our place. So we could pay for our sins on the cross of Calvary. And then He rose from the dead, defeating sin and defeating death. Why? That we might, through Christ, be forgiven our sins and be reconciled to God. That sinners might come back into relationship with a holy God. We are witnesses to the truth of who Jesus Christ is And what he's done. And we speak these forth with our words. And as witnesses, we want to tell both what Jesus did historically and what he has done for us personally. We witness to the truth of how Christ saved us from our sin. What we were like before we came to know Christ and what he's done in our lives. How he's transformed us into new creatures. And finally, and don't forget this, we let people know that if, if they will trust, if they will believe, if they will put their faith in Jesus Christ, that, that He will do the same for them. He'll save them from their sins. He'll transform their lives. He'll bring them into an eternal relationship with God. So we witness with our works who we are, what we do, and our words, what we say. Our, our, our works are a backup to our words. They testify to the truth of our our witness for Jesus Christ. And so that's our mission. Be His witnesses. Now there are several questions that this this text, verses 8 through really 11, helps us to answer about being His witness. First, who, who are the witnesses? Who are the witnesses? But you will receive power. Jesus is speaking to His disciples here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. The question is, who is the you, and you will be my witnesses? Now, as as we said, uh, I think I've said already, it's our mission that all of us are included in you, but but how, how do I know that's true? Some would say that the mission was only for the people there that Jesus was talking to at that moment. 
But clearly, this mission was meant to continue on because it extends uh, how far? To the ends of the earth. With our works and our words, we're to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. To every people. And as, uh, as of today, November 20th, 19, I'm reminiscing, 1963. Oh, that was something else. November 20th, 2016. Uh, up to this point, that mission that Jesus gave has not been completed. There are still groups of people in our world who have no idea who Jesus Christ is. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about that there are 6,000 unreached people groups in our world. Groups that, that don't have a Bible in their language, don't have a church in their culture, people that have never even met a Christian. The gospel has yet, not yet gone to the ends of the earth. So clearly, the mission is meant for more than those early disciples of Christ. But there are others who say that being a witness is only for a select few. It's a, it's a special group. It continues on, but it's these special people, these special gifted people, right? Those that are called to that mission, missionaries and pastors, evangelists. But Paul dispels that idea. 2 Corinthians 5 uh, 17 through 19, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. He says, Therefore, if anyone, underline anyone, maybe you haven't turned there yet, but next time you're there, underline anyone, is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And we would all say, Amen, that's me. I want, I'm, that's, I'm, I'm in there. I'm that new creation. I'm in Christ. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. Yes, we're reconciled to God through Christ. Amen, that's me. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And gave, they're, they're together. As He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you a follower of Christ? A believer? A Christian? Are you a new creation? Have you been reconciled to God? Then He has commanded you He's committed to you the message of reconciliation. And that message of reconciliation is the gospel message. Uh, the message of who Jesus is, of what Jesus has done. Proclaiming the message of reconciliation is what it means to be His witnesses. So I hope it's clear that each and every person who's a, a believer in Jesus Christ is commanded by Christ to be His witnesses. It's all of us. Our mission is, uh, uh, is for every member of the church. Yes, every damaged and broken and sinful one of us is to have their part in this mission. So the question is, next question, how do we do that? How do we witness? Now by how do we witness, I don't, I'm not going to go through some uh, different evangelistic tactics here, strategies and methods. I'm not, there are many out there. There are methods. There's the bridge illustration. There's the Roman road. There's the four spiritual laws. There's your own personal testimony. What I mean is how can we, as fragile and frail and nervous and fearful and sinful people, how can we possibly expect to be used by God to, to represent Jesus Christ, to tell others about Christ in this world? Verse 8 again, but you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. How do we witness? We witness by the power of the Holy Spirit. We witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when the Holy Spirit fills us, when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, when we're immersed in the Holy Spirit. He provides the power, the ability to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That word power is the Greek word dynamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. Dynamite. And, and it literally refers to the explosive, life-changing, dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural power that comes from God into us. And this power is given specifically, specifically, not so I can be hit on the head and fall over, it's given specifically that we might be witnesses. And that includes both aspects of witnessing. Remember what they were. The Holy Spirit gives us power to witness with our works. He gives us the power to love and to sacrifice for others. He gives us the power to overcome our, our sins, uh, our selfishness, our pride. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. The love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the gentleness and the kindness and the self-control we need. By His power, we're transformed into people who with our lives can represent Jesus Christ to a lost world. So think about this for a second. If you're struggling, if you're a believer, if you're struggling and you're not a believer, there's another application. Come to Jesus. But if you're struggling and you've given your life to Christ, if you're wondering, where, where's this transforming, sin-conquering power that the Spirit provides? You might want to ask yourself, when was the last time I sought to be a witness? Because if the power is to be His witness, then why would you have the power if you're not being a witness? Just a thought. So the Holy Spirit gives us power to witness with our works. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to witness with our words. He supplies uh, us the ability to, in our nervousness and our fear, to open our mouths and talk. To represent Jesus Christ. To tell His story. To glorify His name. He brings words to our mind. He gives us Little illustrations and verses. He helps us with those tools that, that are provided to us. And He works in, our, in the hearts of those we're witnessing to. We're, we're basically just uh, uh, the mouthpiece of the message. God is doing the work in us. He's doing the work in those we're witnessing to. I remember sharing with someone over several months, talking, talking about many things in, in the Word and about Christ, looking in Scriptures together, but still, they were unwilling to commit their lives to the Lord. And at one point, I, I sensed the importance of, of actually confronting them. Telling them to quit stalling and decide now. Either for Him or against Him. Now that was not me. That was not my natural way of doing things. I'm pretty non-confrontational myself. But the next day, this person called to tell me they'd given their life to Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the power we need. That was the Holy Spirit working in my life. You see, I may have given the fa a false impression earlier. I may have, you may have pictured Jesus, uh, this football thing I was talking about, 
uh, handing us the ball. You know, in football, usually the quarterback hands the ball and then he steps back, right? Uh, Some good quarterbacks hand the ball and then they go block for you. That's not the picture of Jesus ever. Uh, I saw a commercial the other day watching football. Imagine that. And, And the commercial was, I think it was pizza commercial, I'm not sure. It was Papa John's. Peyton Manning, he's in there making pizza, or he ordered pizza in the door. There's a knock on the door. I don't know why they did this, to be honest. I wasn't paying that much attention. The door opens, and there's the pizza delivery person, boy. It was a boy, a man, young man. Uh, And J.J. Watt, this big, giant football player, is carrying him, okay, with the pizzas in his hand. And I go, I I have no idea why they were doing that, but that is the exact picture we need to have about our witnessing. Jesus, does, Jesus hands us the ball, and then he picks us up, and he carries us. You know, it's in his power. That's the only way we're going to be witnesses, in his power. So don't, uh, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're fearful about witnessing, realize you're, you're fearful about Jesus, who's carrying you. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been fearful, and then once I open my mouth and start talking, it's like, uh, in some cases, you know, it's not, I'm not, it's in some cases I'm like watching myself, you know, oh, there's Jesus is working, I'm watching my, when we were in Thailand, uh, I could speak Thai really bad, I didn't speak Thai very well, it's probably, and, until I got to talking about Jesus, and then, wow, it, I was a different speaker of Thai. The Holy Spirit picks us up and he helps us. That's how we witness. So we know how, we know who, next where, where do we witness? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So where do we witness? There are a couple ways we could answer that. First, Jesus says, be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus gives this mission in each of his Gospels, uh, as well as in Acts 8. He says it in different ways. I think he's probably said it more than once. And this is consistent with the other times he says, where to be witnesses. In Matthew 28, 19, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In Mark 16, 15, he says, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In Luke 24, 47, he says, And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. I think it's extremely clear that according to Jesus, we are to be witnesses everywhere. To all nations. To the whole creation. To the ends of the earth. Our mission is to take the gospel to all peoples. And by our, I mean our. The church's mission is to take the gospel to all peoples, all groups of people. We've talked about this in the past. These ethno-linguistic cultural groups were to go in, were to establish churches, we're going to bring the word of God into that culture. The second answer to the question, though, so we've got everywhere, we've got all peoples, all nations, but the second answer that maybe is the one we need to apply today, and it's a a logical answer, it flows from the first, you must witness uh, right where you are. You can't just be thinking about out there, you have to think about right here. 
I remember uh, when Christine and I were preparing to be missionaries, to go to the ends of the earth, so to speak. Someone, I don't remember who said it to us, if you're not doing it here, then you won't do it there. And that really stuck with me. It was convicting because I was all thinking, I'm, I'm going, that's some focus, and I'm learning this tie, and I'm learning culture, and I'm, that's where I'm going. Even though I was focused on being a witness in faraway Thailand, I needed to be a witness right where I was, in Riverside, California. So we're to be witnesses everywhere, to the ends of the earth and right where you are. Wherever you are, there you be. Wait, did I say that? Wherever you are, there you witness. And I don't believe it's an either-or proposition. It's a both-and. We need to focus on both the right here and the everywhere. And they come together in the church. They come together in the the mission strategy that Jesus outlined in the book of Acts. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. In Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You witness in Jerusalem right here where you are. And then some, some among you will be sent beyond Jerusalem into this surrounding area of Judea. Jerusalem was the city. Judea was the state, so to speak both populated by Jewish people, people very similar to the disciples. They're, in their, they're functioning in their own culture. And then some among you will be sent, sent beyond Judea into Samaria. Samaria was a, another region, another state. It was in the north. It, it, however, was populated by not only Jews, but Samaritans. They shared some common culture, but they had many differences as well. And then some among you will be sent beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Samaria, to the ends of the earth where where culture and language would be totally different. Do you see the strategy? It's, 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 It's thought through. It makes sense. And it's purposeful. John Piper said this about Acts 1.8. Jesus is not talking here of an occasional word of witness in our small circle of culture. He's talking about an ever-expanding efforts to penetrate more and more of Satan's strongholds of unbelief. And that effort is the mission of the church. Where do we witness? We witness where we are. We witness in our neighborhoods, in our places of work. We witness in our homes, among our families and our friends. But we also... We also must be, as a church, involved in reaching out beyond our geographical area, beyond our culture, to places where the gospel has yet to gone, to some places where the gospel was and is left and needs to come back. Places beyond our culture, to places where the gospel is not gone at all. We together must be involved in sending and supporting missionaries. That's what they're called. Those we send cross-cultural who will break cultural and language barriers. Who will translate scriptures into new languages. Who will seek to penetrate more and more of Satan's strongholds of unbelief with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must continue to pray for those we send. We must continue to give financially, support those we send. And as And then we as His witnesses must always seek God. Seek God as to who He wants us to send next. Who's next? 
We used to, in, in the church, in our missions team, we used to call that the pipeline. Who's God, who's God sending through the pipeline? Who does God want to send out from among us next? Now, some people make distinctions uh, about the type of church you are, okay? Okay, that's the seeker-friendly church over there. That's the kind of artsy church over there. That church is really focused on worship over there. That's a conservative church. Uh, that's a more contemporary church. And maybe those labels are fair, maybe they're not. Uh, we at Bridges have been labeled by ourselves and others as a, a missions church. Why? Because we place a great deal of emphasis. If you've been here for any time, I mean, I think a couple weeks ago I preached about the same thing. I'm just repeating it again, right? Because we got to get it. Jesus' passion was what? For the glory of God and the good of all peoples. We talked about this just a few weeks ago. Why? Because uh, why are we a missions church? Because we place a great deal of importance on sending and supporting missionaries. We, we really believe in this ends of the earth, that the gospel's got to go there. And on one hand, I'm sort of proud of that label, okay? But on the other hand, it sort of saddens me. Because the mission that Jesus gave to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth is for uh, the whole church, for every church. Every church should be a missions church. And at Bridges, uh, we can't rest on what we've done in the past. We must continue to be the kind of church that both witnesses right here where we are and that sends and supports witnesses to the ends of the earth. Amen? So we have the who, the how, the where. My mom pointed out there was no what here. Well, the what is the mission we're talking about. The whole thing is the what. Right, mom? All right, thanks. Because uh, it's like the journalism thing, who, what, when, where, if you do journal. Okay, sorry. So we come to when. When do we witness? Last point. Now, the obvious and correct answer to that question is now. Always. Uh, today is the day of salvation. But what I think our passage points out is that our time for witnessing is limited. Uh, this, this time limit is implied in verses 9 through 11 of Acts chapter 1. Jesus had just given the mission to his disciples, and then we read, and he said this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay? What, what we've seen in these verses is the, is the description of the ascension of Jesus Christ. Jesus going into heaven. He's given the mission, handed off the ball, but really handed and picked us up. We got that. And then he, in bodily form, Jesus goes into heaven, goes to the right hand of the Father, where he continues his work. He'll work his work through the church, giving us the power of the Spirit to reach the world with the gospel. Now, how long is that going to take? So far, it's been about 2,000 years, maybe a little more. How long will the church be witnessing on planet Earth? Well, the two men in white robes, uh, probably angels, I'm guessing, point to the fact that one day Jesus would return. 
come back again. He'll come in the same way as you saw him go up into heaven. He's going up and he's coming back. Next week, we're actually going to talk about the return of Christ. One day, Jesus will return to set things right, to literally, and I believe physically, establish his kingdom on earth. And we, his church, have this time between between His ascension and His return to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is the time frame of our mission. In fact, it seems Jesus' return is in some way, I'm not saying I know exactly what this means, but it seems His return, Jesus coming back, is dependent on His church completing the mission that He gave them. He says, Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. This mission that He's given us will happen. It's going to happen. Uh, We may get to be part of it, and we may not. We may choose to be part of it, and we may not. But it will happen. And then, the end will come. We're not given a specific amount of time to accomplish our mission. Instead, we're told that accomplishing our mission will determine the end. Jesus says that our mission in the world is so important, I'm not coming back until you complete it. Again, I'm not totally sure what all of that, the end, means. But I know it includes His return. Do you want Jesus to return? Do you want Jesus to establish His kingdom? Do you want Jesus to make all wrongs right? Then be part of being His witness to the ends of the earth. Be involved in, in taking the Gospel to where the Gospel is not yet gone. With so much at stake, we must ask ourselves, uh, what are we waiting for? If our mission is so important that Jesus is waiting for its completion before He returns, then then what are we willing to do and to give to see His mission completed? And that's the question that I want to leave with us today. What are you, what are we willing to give to help, to do, to be part of accomplishing the mission that Jesus has given to His church? This is a, a question that we need to ponder as a church. What, what more do we need to do? God, what, what else do we need to do? This is a question you need to ponder as an individual believer. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be a part of seeing the gospel go from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth? We need to ask the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses, both right here and right now, and to the ends of the earth. Now I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to pray for that power. I'm going to ask God, you know, not in some magical way, but I'm ask, going to ask God to fill us here. Those who, who, are, who name His name. Those who come, have come under His authority. Those who, who claim that Jesus is their King and their Lord and their Savior. I'm going to pray that we would have this power from the Holy Spirit. And if you desire... Uh, to be part of that, not that my prayer is, uh, is, is a great thing, but if you desire to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can become, that you can be better at, more powered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness, if you want to get in the game, so to speak, 
if you want to engage in fulfilling the mission that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has given to us, then I would invite you, just, just where you are, to stand. To just stand. And, and as, a, as a testimony to yourself, as a testimony to the church, as a testimony to God, that I want that, that power. I want that power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I, I, I want to be able to overcome that fear and that nervousness to, to speak out. I want to be able to overcome that sin that's got me down, that's stopping me from being a witness for Jesus Christ because I don't want people to find out about that sin and then I'm talking about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you overcome that sin. I want that power to be able to get rid of my pride, replace it with humility. I want that power in my life. If that's your desire, then I would just invite you to stand as I pray. By standing, you're saying to the Lord and the church, I accept the mission that you've given us. I want to be your witness wherever you want me to be. First, where I am right now, maybe even maybe even as I've been speaking about being a witness, a person, a face, someone you know, love, someone you go to school with, someone in your family has has popped into your mind. I want to be a witness to that person. Maybe that's your first step. Beginning to pray, beginning to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to work in their life and in your life that you could come together and witness to that one person. But also, you would say to God, God, if you call, I'll go beyond my culture. I'll go to the ends of the earth. Maybe it's Judea. Maybe it's just a little bit out. Maybe it's Samaria, a little farther. But I'll go wherever you call. So if you want that power of the Spirit to be a witness for Jesus Christ, I would just invite you to stand right now and join me in prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, we ask uh, for your power. Lord, you promised it. You said to your disciples, if they would wait there in Jerusalem, the power would come. We know Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, the power came and they were witnesses for you. That's what the whole book was about, Lord. And so we pray that for us here at Bridges, as part of your church, as people who uh, come under your authority, as people who have received your gift of salvation, Lord, whose, whose blood covers us from our sin. Lord, we ask for that power. That power to live a life that represents you in this world. That power to speak words to people in our family, in our friends, in our co-workers. We ask for power to just free up our finances, to, to be able to send out more and more missionaries to the ends of the earth, Lord. Give us the power of your Spirit and help us to live in that power. In Christ's name, amen.